Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather here without fear of uh, people attacking us for spending time looking at your word together. We recognize that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world do not have such a privilege, that they are scared to even leave their homes because of their faith in Jesus Christ. But here we are in Australia, clearly acknowledging that we are Christians by spending time praying to you, singing your praise, and hearing from your word. Lord, we pray that you may indeed bless us this morning as we look at your word together. And we pray that we may not uh, make, that we may make the most of this time and be able to honour your son as a result. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, how do you get someone to stay with you, to spend time with you, or maybe even live in your house? I remember uh, trying to convince Jill to stay with me. Uh, my children have recently become quite interested in how we got together, and uh, my son Joshua particularly has been asking questions about how we met. He learned that we met at Target uh, while we were both working there. We were both shop assistants, and he learned uh, that we started to see one another, go to the movies together. Uh, there's been a thing at his school at the moment uh, where they've been reminding all the children that they're not allowed to kiss on the lips, and he found out that mummy and daddy kissed on the lips, and I uh, was outraged and said, uh, you're going to be in so much trouble for that uh, because you weren't married. And, uh, and so he's got this interest now in our younger days and particularly when we were just getting to know one another. And I was seeking to convince Jill to come and stay with me, to come and live with me, to marry me. And I'm still somewhat surprised that she agreed to, uh, particularly given the way I treated her when we were dating and even the way that I proposed to her. I don't think I've shared on how I proposed because it's so embarrassing as to how I, if I could go back and do it over, that would be one of the things that I would love to do again. This morning, we're going to be looking at how did people convince Jesus to stay with them. We like to convince people to stay with us for different reasons. Jesus Christ, such an important person. How do you get him to stay with you? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. As we look at John chapter 4, we've been working through this passage for some time now, and we've seen that Jesus interacts with this Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 who comes to the well. He speaks to her. She comes to an understanding that he is the Messiah. She runs off, tells the people in her village that the Messiah has come and then they start to come out and they speak with him and we pick up what they say to him and what they do with him in verses 39 and 40 which we've just had read before for us. In verses 39 and 40 we read, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. How do you get Jesus Christ to stay with you, to live with you, to be a part of your life? Well, the first way that you get Jesus to stay with you, the first thing you need to do is do what the Samaritans do here, and that is believe. That is believe. And so that's my first main point this morning. The Samaritans believed. Before Jesus stayed with them, we see that they believed. We see that in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him 
because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. Jesus stays with these people after they believe in him. Now, it's surprising that Jesus, that they, the Samaritans would believe in Jesus given the circumstances that they're going through. Why would I say that their belief in Jesus is surprising at this point? Well, it's come about because of the testimony of a woman, uh, which in that time didn't amount to much. Sorry, ladies, but we've covered this before as we've been looking through John 4 together, that at that time women were not respected in the way that we often uh, see in our culture here in Australia, that they weren't respected in that way. And so all they've heard about Jesus Christ has come from this woman. And it's a notorious woman that they've heard this from as well. We've seen, as we've looked through this passage, a little bit about her life and the fact that she appears to be a sexually immoral person. She's quite well known in the town for sinning against God. And yet they believe in Jesus Christ as a result of this woman's testimony. Also, we see that her testimony is one that is pretty brief. Here, It's a fairly brief testimony. We see that uh, they believe because of the woman's testimony, and it says in verse 39, what is her testimony? He told me everything I ever did. Doesn't seem to be much of a testimony. We don't have all the details, though, but it seems like she is talking about Jesus to these people and saying, look, he's told me everything I ever did. He's revealed my sinfulness and I believe that he is the Christ. And we see that that is what she says back in verse 29. She doesn't just say that he told her everything that she has done, but also she points to him as the Messiah. Verse 29 says, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? So she's mentioned her sinfulness and how Jesus has revealed it, but also points to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. And as a result of this, many people actually believe. We read that in verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Many of them did, which is surprising given that it's a woman's testimony, a notorious woman's testimony. It doesn't seem to be the most comprehensive presentation of the gospel. But nonetheless, these people are believing. Um, there's no miraculous signs given, whereas often Jesus does miraculous signs to convince people that he is the Messiah but here we see that these people believe in Jesus despite the circumstances. This is a wonderful encouragement to us if we are Christians and we're seeking to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us that God can use us even as sinful vessels. Um, we can share the gospel. We see that this woman with her testimony brings many people to Christ. Many people believe. She seems of little significance but in the hand of God, she is brought and she brings about much good. And we see another example of that in the Old Testament, that passage that we read from 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, that this little girl who's in a foreign country, she's captured this uh, maidservant. She speaks to the commander and said, well, she says, if he would only go to see the prophet in Israel, he could be cleansed from his leprosy. All it takes is this little girl to say something and that commander goes and is cleansed. He has changed. This woman, she testifies to who Jesus is and these people 
come to believe. As they see her sin revealed, as they see her enthusiasm for the Messiah, they come to believe in him. And so we need to believe in Jesus Christ like these Samaritans if we are to have Jesus stay with us as well. You can't have someone remain with you if you don't believe they exist or don't believe certain things about them. It'd be ridiculous for me to want this person called Jill to come and marry me and stay with me if I didn't actually believe she existed and I didn't believe certain things about her that would then incline me to invite someone to stay, the person Jill, to stay with me. And so if you want Jesus to stay with you, you need to believe that he actually exists. You need to believe that he is the Messiah, the one who can save you from your sins. We must believe in Jesus Christ if we are to have Jesus live with us, to have Jesus stay with us. So that's the first thing. What else did the Samaritans do before Jesus came and stayed with them? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. The Samaritans came and asked Jesus to stay. They came to him and asked him to stay with them. We see this in verse 39 and 40. It says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. They believed in Jesus, but then they also came to Jesus, and they asked him to remain with them, to abide with them, to dwell with them. And this is surprising. It's surprising that the Samaritans would believe in Jesus in the first place, given what they've heard about him from this woman. But it's also surprising that the Samaritans would want Jesus to stay with them. We've got to remember that they've only just met Jesus, and you don't usually invite someone to come and stay with you if you've only just met them. Um, It's kind of a dangerous thing to do. They also know that this man Jesus, is his only friend in the town is this notorious woman. Uh, Really, do you want someone... Uh, that is friends with such a person to be staying with you. But then ultimately we've got to remember that it's surprising they would ask Jesus to stay with them because he is a Jew. I've said this before when we've been working through this passage together, that there's real hostility between the Samaritans and the Jews. They hated one another. And Jews would not stay with Samaritans. They're reluctant to go into a house that belongs to a Samaritan, let alone eat with someone, to dwell with someone, to live with them, is quite a big step. We even see that in the New Testament. Uh, In Acts chapter 11, uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, stays with some Gentiles and then he comes back to the, uh, the other believers in Jerusalem and he gets roasted for it. We read in Acts chapter 11, verse 1, it says, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Good Jews don't stay with Samaritans. And the Samaritans were hostile to Christ at other times, even when he was here on earth. In Luke chapter 9, we see that the Samaritans are actually rejecting Jesus Christ. Turn with me there now, page 1027, just a few pages earlier. Page 1027, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 
Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. We read from verse 51, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And then verse 52 of Luke chapter 9, And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. They don't welcome him. And then what the disciples do as a result, verse 54, when the disciples, James and John, who are good Jews, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and they went to another village. It wasn't as though all the Samaritan villages were welcoming to Jesus. We see in John chapter 4 that they seem to you know, embrace Jesus and we start to have this idea possibly that all the Samaritans loved Jesus. No, they didn't. There was great hostility towards the Samaritans. And even Jesus himself shows some hostility to Samaritans. Here he rebukes his disciples for wanting to call down fire from heaven. But if we read the commission that he gives to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, he says something rather interesting. Matthew chapter 10, turn with me there, page 964. Page 964. Matthew chapter 10 is all about Jesus sending out his disciples and telling them what they should do. So if you're wanting to seek to be a, a, a good disciple of Jesus and understand what you should be doing, uh, then this may be a passage you should look at. Matthew chapter 10, and we read from verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and then as you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus here says, don't go even into the towns of the Samaritans. Go to the Israelites. And so then we see it's kind of surprising here in John chapter 4 that the Samaritans welcome Jesus and that Jesus stays with them. But Jesus does stay with them. Why? because they come to him and ask him. And if we wish to have Jesus Christ stay with us, then we need to believe in him and we need to come to him and ask him to stay with us. To have someone stay with you, you usually need to ask them. Some people intrude upon your home and they may try to stay without you welcoming them in. But usually you ask people to come and stay with you. I asked Jill to come and live with me, and amazingly she said yes. If we want Jesus to stay with us, then we need to ask him, which is quite a difficult thing to do. It's quite a difficult thing to believe in Jesus. Uh, the Bible tells us that it's really miraculous that any of us believe in Jesus Christ. But to then ask him to stay with us, He's a man who lived 2,000 years ago, a Jewish man of a different race from what most of us here in this room would be. It seems a bit bizarre to be able to ask someone to come and stay with you who lived so long ago. It seems like there'd be slim odds that that person would actually dwell with you, that that person would live with you. But the teaching of the Bible is that Jesus does indeed come and stay with people who come to him, ask him, and believe in him. And so that's my third main point this morning. Christ graciously stayed. Christ graciously stayed. And we see that in verse 40. 
Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. It's one thing for you to ask someone to stay. It's another thing for them to say yes. But here we see that Jesus graciously stayed with the Samaritans for two days. And that's a truth that we need to understand ourselves even today, that Jesus graciously stays with you if you believe in him, come to him and ask him to stay, to remain with you, to live with you. It's a famous passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 that speaks about Jesus coming to stay with people. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, you may want, wish to look there now. It says on page 1,218, 1,218. The beginning of Revelation is a bit easier to understand than the later parts of Revelation. The beginning of Revelation is about letters that are written to different churches. And in Revelation chapter 3, we have a letter written to the church in Laodicea. And the church in Laodicea hears in verse 20, uh, this is Jesus speaking, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. Jesus gives us this wonderful image of him standing at the door and knocking. And if we open the door, he comes and dwells with us. Now, we have to be careful here. We're not saying that he dwells with you in the way that he dwelt with the Samaritans in John chapter 4. He was physically present with those Samaritans. But Jesus still is in this world. And he remains, he lives in those who trust in him. He actually dwells in you. If you become a believer in Jesus Christ, if you put your trust in him, if you ask him to live with you, he dwells within your heart by his spirit. He lives there and you can be filled with his power. You can understand that he is there living with you. And, of course, we can also have Jesus stay with us in our communication with him. We can hear Jesus' voice anytime you want. All you have to do is open this book. This is all the word of God, and that includes Jesus Christ. If you want Jesus to stay with you, then you should be listening to him, hearing what he has to say to you, which means you need to take this book off the shelf and open it. And listen to his voice. You can also have Jesus stay with you in prayer. Whenever you have a relationship with someone, it means two-way communication. You hear them speak to you and you speak to them. If you want to have Jesus stay with you, then all you need to do is come to him in prayer and he hears you. He listens to everything you have to say to him. Some of the things you may say are frivolous. You may be embarrassed later on that you prayed about such things. But Jesus loves to hear you speak with him. He dwells with you. He wants to hear your voice addressing him, just as if you were in the house with somebody else. You were staying with them. But imagine if they never spoke to you or you never spoke to them. You wouldn't really be living with that person, would you? Imagine that. Someone has their own room in the house. They come out. They walk into the kitchen. They walk right past you. Don't say anything to you. Walk back to their room. That's not dwelling with someone. 
If you want to have Jesus stay with you, then you need to come to him in prayer. You need to hear his voice in the word. And you should spend time with other Christians. Why? Because they have Christ in them too. Jesus dwells in them. That's the wonderful thing about meeting with brothers and sisters in Christ is that you're not really getting to know them per se. You're getting to know Jesus Christ. You're seeing Jesus manifested in all these different people in different ways that you don't see him in your own life. And as you rub up against them, you some of those things about them that are Christ-like rub off on you. You're in the presence of Christ when you meet with other believers. That's why church is such a wonderful place to come to. Because you're meeting with God. Yes, you're meeting with other believers, but you're meeting with God in them. Do you want to meet with Jesus? Yes. How do you do that? By meeting with his people. By coming along to church, coming along to Bible studies, meeting with other Christians one-to-one to spend some time in prayer, to spend some time reading his word. When you do those things, you're meeting with Jesus. You're dwelling with Christ. Yes, he dwells in you. If you're a believer, he's there at all times. But you can feel his presence in a greater way if you meet with his people. Now, I'm making a few assumptions here this morning that you should want Jesus to stay with you. I'm saying this is how you get Jesus to stay with you. You believe in him, you come to him, you ask him to stay, which means you spend time hearing from him, speaking to him, being with his people. But why should you want Jesus to stay with you? Well, it means your faith will be strengthened and you will feel great joy. Meeting with Christ brings pleasure like no other in this world. There is no greater joy than spending time with Jesus Christ. Why did I want Jill to stay with me? Because I knew she would give me joy. I'm not sure if I would give her much joy in her spending time with me. Evidently she thought so. But I wanted her to come and live with me so that I would experience the joy of having her there all the time. I was just thinking this week as I was preparing this message and thinking about that as an illustration, thinking about how hard it was, you know, when you're separate and you do love one another and you want to spend all the time together, but you've got to travel in a car to see each other, you've got to pick up the phone and it's not quite the same. It's so wonderful when you can live with someone that you love because of the joy that they bring to your life. And that's what we want when we invite Jesus to stay with us, when we want to spend time with him. It's so that we can have that joy that he brings, which surpasses all other joys. It surpasses all other sinful pleasures and temptations that may come along. Staying with Christ is actually the silver bullet to all sinful temptations and pleasures. Do you realize that? that it will conquer every other sin that you have in your life if you dwell with Christ. At our church at the moment, we're exploring how the men of the church in particular can combat the problem of pornography. Not because anybody is necessarily struggling with this, but we're recognising that it's becoming a problem more and more in our community with the prevalence of the internet. And so the men of this church, the elders of this church, are trying to work out how can we best shepherd the men in this church from such ills that are out there. 
And so we're coming up with different methods and we're hoping the other men in the church can, uh, we can get together at the next men's meeting and discuss this issue and how we can combat this. We've got some different ideas. But the ultimate way that we will combat the problem of pornography is by spending time with Christ. Because if you have joy in Christ, then every other sinful pleasure pales in significance. The more you spend with Christ, the more joy you feel in him, and the more those sinful pleasures look dark and disgusting, and you see them for what they really are. And so that's something that we'll be discussing as the men of this church, that this is what we need to do. We need to spend more time with the Lord. And if one of us in particular might struggle in this area, that's what they need to do. They need to spend time with Christ, Bible reading, prayer amongst other believers, asking Christ to dwell in them and fill them with his power. Because abiding in Jesus Christ conquers any temptation, not just pornography, but anything a lust for power, for money, for whatever it may be. It's conquered by abiding in Jesus Christ. Now, I've painted, hopefully, a positive picture about having Christ stay with us, and hopefully you're all the more eager this morning to spend time with other believers, maybe not rush off after the service, but spend some time seeing Christ in one another and spend some time in Bible reading and prayer. But we've got to remember that the abiding of Christ with us in this world is limited. We even see that in the passage. Jesus stays with them, but he only stays with them for two days, and then he goes on. And we should never be content with our situation in this world. We do have Christ live with us. We do spend time with him in prayer and Bible reading, but it should never be a sat- we should never be satisfied with a level of of Christ abiding with us in this world because there's a far greater abiding with Christ that is yet to come, and that is in the next world. We live in a very prosperous country here where we can be clouded, our minds can be clouded by things, and we can start to want to stay here for a bit longer. I've even heard people say to me, they said, I don't want to die yet. I'd like to have this happen first or this happen. They say, I don't want to go into the next world until I've been able to accomplish this so easy to get caught up with the things of this world and to forget that our abiding with Christ in this world is limited. There's a far greater abiding with Christ. There's a far better time where we will stay with Christ. And what is that? That's in heaven itself, where we will see him face to face, where we will see him in all his glory. What we see of him now is so limited. We've been studying at our Tuesday night Bible study, Mark's Gospel, and we've just gone through the Transfiguration. And you see there at the Transfiguration, as we've been looking at it closely together, you see something. The Peter, James, and John, they were so privileged. They got to see something of Christ's glory. He was gleaming there before them with Moses and Elijah. They saw something, a taste of what we will one day see. That's what we want. That's what we want for us to see and to have for the rest of eternity. And so, yes, we should look to Christ now as we spend time in prayer, as we look at other believers and try and see glimpses of Christ in them. But we should never forget that we are aliens and strangers in this world. 
that there's a far better abiding with Christ that is to come. And we should pray about that because believers in the New Testament pray about it. Apostle Paul says, Maranatha. The Apostle John says, Come, Lord Jesus. That's how the book closes. The good book closes with, Come, Lord Jesus. We should invite Jesus to stay in our hearts. We should invite Jesus into our homes by reading the Bible, by spending time with other Christians and praying with him. But we should also invite Jesus to come back. Wouldn't it be a joyous thing if Jesus was to come back tonight? If we were to pray here this morning as I close this sermon together with you, I'll pray that, Jesus, you come back soon. And stay with us for all eternity. And I'd love to see that happen tonight. But if it doesn't, I will go back to my Bible reading, to my prayer, spending time with other believers. But I should never be content with that. I should want to see Jesus come and stay with us permanently. So let us do that now. Let us come before our God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we can see in the pages of your word here this morning, that people believed in you, they came to you, they asked you to stay, and you did. And Lord, we know from other parts of your word that you do the same today, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, that if we believe in Jesus Christ, if we come to him and ask him to stay, he does. He graciously dwells within us and speaks to us from his word and allows us to speak to him and allows us to spend time with brothers and sisters who have Christ dwelling in them too. Lord, we pray that we may love to do these things. We pray that if any unbelievers are amongst us this morning, that they may come to Christ and believe in him now and have him dwell with them. But Lord, we pray that we may never be satisfied with the things of this world and even be satisfied with the presence of Christ spiritually within us. Lord, we pray that we would hunger to spend time with him physically, to be in glory with him even tonight. Oh, Lord Jesus, come now. Come even now. Come now to us so that we can spend eternity with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.